0: Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Nature Connection Show with Lisa and Nancy, publishers of Big Blend Magazines and nature photographer Margo Carrera. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on our four-part series of Big Blend Radio's Nature Connection Show focusing on nature destinations across the country and around the world. This is our fourth and final episode in this specific and special series. Uh, It's the fourth and final, but last but not least at all. We are going to South east usa we're going to coastal mississippi on this episode with lisa evans who's a travel writer and author of the book 100 things to do before you die in coastal mississippi Uh, it's a wonderful book and she's a wonderful writer and she loves nature and she takes us all through the area and also talks about climate change and the issues that face her region We also go to Florida, Fabulous Florida, with Kathleen Walls. She's a travel writer and author of multiple books, and she talks about Merritt Island, National Wildlife Refuge, and other regions. And we have Dr. Diane Dobry on as well, who's a travel writer and memoirist and also the author of discoverydays.com, which is a wonderful blog to follow for travel inspiration, Both Kathleen and Diane live and travel throughout Florida. So it's going to be a great podcast. So stay tuned. Enjoy both episodes uh, within one episode, right? But here's the most important thing let's get out in nature and honor the beauty of Mother Earth. So take care. Enjoy. Thank you. Hey, everybody, you know, we're continuing on with our segments or our episodes on here on Big Blend Radio with our Nature Connection show focusing on nature destinations experiences you can have to go out in nature to connect with nature and then hopefully from there save nature and lisa evans is back on the show she's on big blend radio frequently she is a travel writer and author of 100 things to do in coastal mississippi before you die so you know what she's going to talk about today right a little bit of coastal mississippi you can follow her on her website writerlisa.com that's in the show notes so welcome back lisa how are you good how are you always happy when there's another lisa and it's you on the (laughs) other end of this conversation this is cool coastal mississippi um this is exciting to talk about because the nature to me mississippi as a state has different topographies right um no not huge mountains but it does get cold i have driven through the cold um through the entire state
1: yeah, um, it I mean the, the north I, I'm on the coast, um, so it doesn't get as cold. Although I will say this past winter we've had a we've had a, a bit of a cold stretch, um, you know, for three, four days, and that's about all I want anymore. Um, but yeah, it does get cool. Like even tonight we've got it's kind of dreary, it's rainy. Um, it's gonna be in the probably mid to high thirties, so it does get cold. It doesn't get, you know, like Northeast or, or, you know, that kind of thing cold, but for the most part, we're pretty temperate.
0: Yeah. And you, I mean, everyone listen to Lisa's accent. She's not from Mississippi. And <laughs> no, so, you know, she, she knows real snow stuff, right? Um, oh yes. Snow and cold. Do. I, I,
1: yeah, yeah. And this is, you know, as much as I complain, cause I, I have acclimated to the weather, I will say. Um, so my blood has thinned and, and I do, you know, whine a little bit when it gets below 50. But um, then I have to, you know, pinch myself and remember what it used to be. So, well, I mean, yeah,
0: but, I- yeah. <laughs> but, the, but if you think about the entire state, I know you represent coastal Mississippi. She's adamant mm-hmm. on this, but the whole state of Mississippi, it does change up. Like if you do the Natchez- Trace Parkway, which we've done parts of it, but I want to do the whole route and one thing, you know, um, you're going to go through there's like prairies and lagoons and swampy areas and then you get out to the coast and your area is so interesting because you've got like lagoons and wetlands and the ocean and i think that's what makes it just this extra magical paradise and at the same time you still have forest and that's what i wanted to say about like these you don't necessarily have mountains but you can get cold and you do have forests and you do have these different topographies even on the coast right
1: we do. Uh, most of the things that we have on the coast are, are obviously water related between the bayous and the Mississippi, Sounds, Mississippi Sound, which is actually an estuary. And then 12 miles out is technically the Gulf of Mexico. So we that's that's kind of all water related. We have bayous and marshes and rivers and, and all kinds of fun things. So we have both saltwater and freshwater. So that's, you know, that's kind of interesting as well. As you go into North Mississippi, yeah, you're going to get the snow. and. Co- I mean, there actually is snow in Mississippi. It's like from, I would say, I think, Hattiesburg, North, mostly, you mm-hmm. know, Jackson, and then North Mississippi. And the, the different thing about that is um they don't know what to do with it. I mean, we're not prepped for, <laughs> for big snow. So, I mean, it's not like we have snowplows and sanders and all of that stuff. So, I mean, one inch of snow... Pretty much shuts a lot. A good Everybody of looks down.
0: outside and goes, Hell no.
1: <laughs> that, <laughs> that, <dog> going <laughs> that and yeah. I mean, literally everything shuts down. And here I am from the Northeast going, What's wrong with you people? And but you just put on a sweater. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but but realistically, especially here on the coast, because it does get cold, we have a lot of water, we have a lot of bridges. So as everybody knows, bridges freeze yep. quickly. And yep. if you are not accustomed to, I mean, nobody's prepared for ice. Ice is, you know, one of those things that, you know, is is deadly. So if you are not prepared and you don't have the equipment to counterman the ice it actually is better that everybody stays home so yeah
0: i mean nancy and i did a lot of that in oregon in places that oregon was not used to either so it's kind of you know cool that we're talking about climate because climate change is kind Ugh. of real wouldn't you think um oh and my god so uh, yeah
1: there, there's not a doubt in my mind <laughs> yeah that climate change has a it's a huge huge factor and you can see it i mean i can definitely see it just um, from north to south but even here in the south even like um you know our our last summer or this past summer summer 2023 was just one of the hottest it was i mean i i have gotten used to the hot hot weather here last summer i say i i will say stretched it so you can tell even here it's it's hot it gets, it gets hotter it it yeah. is so it it's is. like
0: the midlife thing where, you know, we're getting hot flashes and then all of a sudden we're freezing. Yeah. You know, women, 20, 2023 of-
1: and early 24 has just been a very strange weather. And even, you know, as much as, as much as I'm, I'm not a fan of hurricanes, believe me. But if you just in the time that I've been here on the coast, which is just about 11 years, um, you can see the difference. The, there are more hurricanes that go up the East coast. Um, that, you know, they still come in the Gulf. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Florida can tell you, we can tell you, Texas can tell you, but there's a lot that go up the East coast now. I mean, if, yeah. if you watch remember during that hurricane one with, season, you remember
0: New Jersey and, uh, New York getting nailed that one year. That was the was, year I
1: moved. That was the year oh, I moved Oh, there south. you go.
0: See, and that was kind of like, hello, this stuff is real. So, mm-hmm. you know, I know we're talking about nature, but nature is reclaiming things and doing things. And I can tell you from driving the country and Nancy and I have been through so many different weather systems and everyone goes, well, it wasn't like this last year and it hasn't been like Correct. this for the last 10 years. Well, so it's, yeah. it's kind of real and we can all argue about stuff, but there's no point in it. Honestly, but when you, you know what mother mother
1: it. mother nature is going to win you're never going to beat mother nature you just well, that's you have the beauty
0: to... yeah,
1: yeah. mother beauty nature is out. the win yeah
0: she's gonna win and the reality exactly. is you're not going to understand until you get out in her like in her territory which is our territory and mm-hmm. coexist Then you start to understand more. There's so many little intricate things that Mother Nature shares and teaches us. You know, absolutely. um, I mean, some of us look to Mother Nature as God. Another goes like, "Hey, no, God made Mother Nature." So I'm not getting into that war either. Correct. (laughs) But the reality is, hey, this is all connected to us human beings. And you know, the more we get out, the more we understand, and the better we can coexist and understand and handle things as mm-hmm. things get a little wonky um, being in Mississippi too with hurricanes and things like that are are you feeling like wow the, this whole conversation went off at a different tangent <laughs> didn't it? It's all good the, the, this is the nature connection right we can do what we want but um, being in a zone where the temperatures are fluctuating so much now and hurricanes and you know, we've been through tornado areas also in Mississippi, mm-hmm. actually. No, yes. Um, tornado alley. Ago, about four years ago, we drove through that as it was going on and ended up in coastal Mississippi, actually at the beginning of a hurricane. And mm-hmm. we were in Gulfport at the beach going, raining a sandwich, going, this isn't feeling normal. <laughs> <laughs> and then we found out it wasn't normal. And we just beat a, a hurricane like as we left, it happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a crazy kind of thing. And we've managed to. Thank goodness, thank God, thank, you know, the powers that be, the angels on our shoulders, managed to somehow be okay um, and beat storms and run them and go through hell to do it. But being in those areas, and and Nancy and I used to live in Florida and have been through actual hurricanes a few times, and even in our pet sitting experience on the tour, um, gone through some, but not bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were lucky where we were scary, electricity out all of that kind of stuff it's the actual aftermath that is worse depending but are you feeling like your cities and and communities are looking at climate change to be real that's what i wanted to ask about this yeah. as these things are happening or is it this still conversation that needs to get a bit a, a bit louder maybe or a bit more real
1: I would, I, I guess I'm kind of 50-50 on that. Um, mm-hmm. I see that there's a portion that is going, hey guys, you know, this this stuff is, it happens for a reason and we need to do this, this, and this. But then you've got the, what I'll call old school people that are like, oh no, climate change isn't real. It's, you know, all, all this, that, and the other thing. All you have to do is watch your weather from year to year and you can tell how real it is. Um, but yes. I, I would say that people down here, I um most of us have learned that, you know, during the summertime, especially during hurricane season, you watch the weather very closely and you listen. I mean, mm. um it's not always a hundred percent accurate, but no. better over better better to be over prepared than under, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, we were in Arkansas last year in the summer and went through a string of storms i don't know if you were coming on a show during one and i mean we were like sorry we're out we're out we're yeah. out the the electricity of the lightning there was this like ribbon lightning or something like it was just like mm-hmm. it was like a blanket of lightning hitting us where we were and you could feel it hit the ground and well, um it was yeah, traumatic I, I, and we
1: had three heart tornadoes in one night
0: you yeah. know and, spring, and stuff like
1: spring, i will say spring storms in the south are very i mean if you like to if you're one of those people that enjoy watching you know the storms and the storms roll in from the water um we we get some pretty wild storms in the spring i will say and you know if especially if they're out over the water and you're just sitting there and you're watching the the lightning and, and exactly what you're describing i mean it's real those lightning bolts are like you know, it's like cartoon characters. It's like, so, but it, uh, but it's real. Okay. So this is a whole other nature
0: connection. Honestly, I think I like that we're talking about this is completely different because (laughs) the weather is the most humbling thing. You Uh are, you are, you are putty in the hands of nature and the weather. Right. And you, you know, to me, like we just, I can't even tell you how many Snowstorms. I just drove through. And I, I don't. I don't even want to think about it again. And it wasn't necessarily Mother Nature freaking me out. It was about other people being on the road. You know, I I drove it at night on mountain passes with trucks oh, on a two lane okay. highway. Yeah, yeah. But we did it. We did it. And I think <laughs> I'm still going through a little bit of PTSD on it. Like, no <laughs> kidding, no kidding. These guys are trained. And I'm not. And um, but it is about being a hundred percent aware. But like at the same time. I'm like, holy crap, this is so cool. Look what nature is yeah. doing, you know, and then all of a sudden you get out of it. And the next morning you're seeing little Western towns all snowed in that haven't seen snow for like two decades. <laughs> and it's like, wow, this is so cool. And then the next thing you know, you can't get to where you are and you are detoured all the way from Kingman, Arizona to Tucson to get to Lubbock. You went down to go up because <laughs> everything is, you know, and then we went through rainstorms. But I am one of those people, and I think a lot of us are where you you get sucked into nature and uh, and the weather stations, right? Mm-hmm. And when we were in Arkansas, you know, the lady we were pet sitting for says, "You've got to watch the uh, NASA." And she says, "If you don't do that, you're you're screwed. You're you, it's not right. They are <laughs> the most accurate person at like or entity, right? It's mm-hmm. not a person, <laughs> but well, yeah, that's considering the they are and NASA,
1: then- you would hope so."
0: Yeah, and then everything goes from them to the other places. So there's a delay. This is the correct one, and I have to say, she's really right. There is a two hour delay, from what I've learned, a one to two hour delay, almost, in going from the NASA thing to the actual or the the weather thing. Maybe it's NASA weather, whatever. The main, the real science people doing yep, it. Yep. Versus yes, going to the website, there the other websites, no other you know, I'm, no, yeah, yeah. You, you, you go to the real ones, right? Yes. The people that are doing it and you're going to get it a little quicker and you have to learn how to watch the radar, but that's so cool mm-hmm. versus, you know, and so that's part of it. And being in these storms, like, you know, we're going to Tucson in July and we used to live in Tucson and people are like, Oh, that's a really funny time to go. But you know, that's monsoon season. And if you're lucky, mm-hmm. You get to see the monsoon storms, which are epic, and it's kind of like being on the beach when you have really big waves that can take you down, and you oh, know yeah. you can't you know what I mean, so it's that hum- that humility that humbling thing mm-hmm. that I would say that nature puts you in your place as a human the, and an it, animal it,
1: it absolutely does, but then on the same token um if you're if you're nice and you take care of it it it's just an endless source of
0: beauty so. Okay, so now going to that, so I know they've been working on this project, uh, I think we covered this 10 years ago on the show, even before the tour, going from New Orleans all the way across, I think, all the way to Houston area, maybe, like on and off, right, where Mm -hmm. you leave the, you leave the wetlands and let the, and and repropagate the wetlands, basically, as a buffer, especially you remember in Houston had that hurricane and all the flooding happened and everything yep, yep, yep. that was part of it. So I mostly the Houston area and that region. So the reality is, Oh, let's have our seaside house. We all want that. We want the Airbnb there. Mm-hmm. We want all of that. Right. We do. I do. I mean, uh-huh. come on. I want the beach cottage. Um, I don't care where, what beach it is. I don't want the people beaches. I want the, the, the nature beach. Right. I don't care if it's in Oregon on the coast, you know, with the ruggedness. Well, if it's cold, I don't know now. I have to change my mind on that. But but the reality is this buffer that we're not letting happen, which is nature's buffer, is what's hurting our homes on the inland. And so there's this project of creating this buffer system, basically on the the Gulf. Let's just say the Gulf, right? That's what Mm -hmm. it is. And making it more of a recreation area. So people like it's protected for nature, but you can have recreation, which is always this two sided thing. Let's have recreation. Let's have nature. But we have to balance it out and be kind and be nice as humans. But if we let nature have habitat, then we're safe on the other side. Now, is that something on your side that you're saying? Do you have places like that that buffer and help buffer the homes through nature?
1: Um. I don't know. I don't know about homes. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of urban down here on the coast, but you can go 10 minutes up the area and, you know, you can be in, quote unquote, the country. I think a lot of the things we are trying to keep our beach destination, but they are doing little things like one of the things that pops into mind and it's not necessarily home for humans but it's basically we have a, a big turn population for uh, the birds mm. and our beaches basically what they started to do because of course you got erosion and you got the storms and whatever um and of course we have a lot of people because it is a tourist destination but they've been tr- they've been growing along our man-made beaches um the seagrass and their breeding grounds for turns and then they block them off and believe it or not people are very respectful when the terns are breeding so they're trying to bring the seagrass back on the beach and in these protected areas for the terns so the terns will nest and you know breed and all of that and and that actually works pretty good we have a lot of places here and we call them attractions for the tourists but realistically they have they do great conservation Um, They teach, they're great teachers for, you know, adults and kids alike about how to respect nature and what to do and and how to, as you say, be good humans. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they they put them off as attractions, you know, so we can, but they also have a very high um, learning conservation. This is what we should do. This is what we have to do to keep this species or this species or whatever. So, I will say there is a, I, th- I think, even with all of our casinos and hotels and whatever, there's a nice balance of those out there that are trying to keep the um, seafood population and the terns and the St. Hill Cranes and, and all the other birds. I mean, it. there are really nice places here that you can go and explore and learn and respect nature as you should.
0: I love that. I love that. And I think it 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 has to have that balance of people being part of the nature and you know mm-hmm. it's part of why we have the wilderness act right that came out over 50 years ago i think last year was 50 years or 51 years <clears throat> where you can here's your national park but this area is wilderness area and to go in it you have to have a permit and you're mm-hmm. on foot you're backpacking mm-hmm. you're not taking your car you're not doing any of that stuff it is you are one with the wilderness and whatever happens out there stays out there right <laughs> you know, exactly right <laughs> But it's, and it's, they really limit it. You know, people on Pacific Crest Trail and even the Appalachian Trail understand all of that. And um, at the same time, we want to have people in it so they understand. And if, I I just do believe if we don't connect, it's really hard. I I think we can't go everywhere. Um, You know, we, we just recently did a show on whales for World Whale Day. And we were talking about the fact that humpback, the humpback whales were saved by people around the world and across the country even Mm -hmm. if they didn't uh go to the ocean right see a humpback whale they saved them but so we can save species we can do things but still if you don't have those steps and those moments in nature you don't quite understand it is part of who we are i believe Mm -hmm. do you feel that like when you go out and
1: Yes. And, and like I said, I mean, I've always enjoyed nature. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say I'm a rock climber or, uh, um, an adventure hiker, but you know, I'm, I'm good with, I like going through hikes and, and one thing, uh, you know, my kids are all grown adults with their own kids now, but one thing when we, we used to do a lot of camping and you know, when, when the kids were younger and whatever. And one of the things that was instilled in them at a very, very young age, if you go on a hike, Whatever you take in, you bring out, and you bring out more because there's people that have gone before you that are not respectful. So we would take like extra garbage bags or whatever, and if you saw some garbage, you'd pick it up and you'd bring it out with the stuff that you took in. And mm-hmm. I, and I have to say, my, my kids to this day, they're they all and my grandkids, they all go camping and they do the same thing. So I, I think awesome. it has to, I think it has to be instilled at a young age that you know this is here for us to enjoy but you also have to respect it. Now not everybody is going to be like that. I mean and and you just got to you just got to teach them. I mean even down here it just popped into my head as we're talking um they there's actually like corporations and community they what they do is they do beach cleanup day. And there's several of them during the week during the year and it's you know maybe um this particular corporation and it's their community service. So their employees you know, get community service time for going out and basically doing beach cleanup. Um, and they do that. We have our barrier islands out here by, um, at coastal Mississippi and, uh, you know, a lot of boaters go out there. And again, unfortunately, not everybody's respectful. And so they do island cleanup days, and they'll take a group of people, they'll go over. And basically, they spend an entire day picking up the trash on the island. So there are a lot of um, corporations and, you know, small businesses that that get together, and they do beach cleanup, and they do, um, you know, all that type of thing. So I yeah, think it's, it's that's it, awesome. It, it's it's really good um and they even get the kids involved. Excuse me, See, the kids involved. So yeah. and that's I think where it starts. The kids have to be taught to understand and respect nature.
0: I think the only way I I don't even think we can teach it to them. It's them understanding it by being in it. I think well, nature that too, does that yeah. lesson. Honestly, I think it it is nature that they get. Wow, look at this caterpillar! Mm-hmm. Where where did we get to this point of like, ew, it's a caterpillar? Whereas yeah. as kids, we were like, dude, that's so cool, you know? Oh, woolly, I woolly
1: bears! Know. I used to be endlessly flat fascinated with woolly bears. I don't know <laughs> if that's their I don't know if that's their scientific name. I have no idea, but we no, was no, called woolly least, bears.
0: A lot of times they are the um oh
1: I yes, have a they predict name the weather.
0: They are, the, you know, no, now have no, they're, a, um, I think they're a sphinx moth.
1: Oh, really? I don't I, know. I have no I, idea. I just know that, you know, the orange and black and, and there you, I, and I'll, I, I could get this mixed up, but depending upon the size of the black on the woolly bear will determine whether it's going to be a, a short winter or a hard. winter. Oh, it's a tiger
0: or... moth. It's a tiger moth. Okay. That's what it is. I had to go look it up. I couldn't stand it. I have, oh, and I love them. I photographed them.
2: Oh, the yeah, tiger the moths bears. are cool.
0: Yep. Yeah. They're um pyroharctica. I, I oh no, I can't pronounce it. Isabella.
1: It's an Isabella tiger moth. And and oh, seriously, wow. stop stop and think about just stop and think about that process. You have a woolly bear, a caterpillar, and then several months later it's a moth or it's a butterfly. I mean that to me is just like and I'm like not, the monarchs, I, right? Yeah, like yeah, putting
0: milkweed out for the caterpillars, I'm and right. here comes the monarchs, you know. Uh, right. And uh, what they need is trees the heat yeah. of trees you know so, oh. it's it's you know
1: what is it the circle of life
0: that's it and when kids get it they get so excited and they'll look at the weird stuff and get awed by it but it's yeah. us adults who go ew i don't know i was grown. i was raised like ooh. and nancy used to watch the is it plankton nancy the things where you would they would multiply these little things in the river Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what she was talking. She's always talking about them now. I can't remember the name. They're like little black flat things in the rivers, and like leeches almost. And then they would, you could, they could lose their tails like lizards, and then keep going.
1: Oh, um, 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 um. Oh, I know. Uh, you know what? Polywogs. Polywogs. What? Pollywogs. Pollywogs. I don't know if that's it. Uh, they're yeah. They they transform. Yes. Yeah, I know. Polly, I now that... I'm looking them up.
0: Now I'm looking them up. <laughs> See, but that, but this is the beauty of it. Yeah. Oh, yep. That's a tadpole, or tadpole pollywog.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those are cool. I mean, to me, like, I, I, I think when kids have that lust for life and find something new and go cool, you know, and then I, at the same time, I was the kid who ate the flying ants and fried <laughs> them up. They do taste like peanut butter. It's true. But then you're <laughs> like, why did I do that? I felt bad once I realized, like when I learned how much work was for them to be alive, I was like, mm-hmm. dude, I suck. I <laughs> ate one, You know? So that life, it's so important for kids to understand that way of life. Our friend Cheryl Ogle comes on the show. She's a travel advisor and she talks about people going on cruises, multi-generational cruises to Alaska. Mm-hmm. And then they went off in the, in like Glacier and in Glacier Bay and everything. And kids saw like the, a a whale that was beached on the and dead and animal you know here comes the 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 cleanup crew of you know vultures and all of that pecking Mm -hmm. at it so the kids had to learn this this is the cycle of life and i'm right it's so important for them to learn that and under i mean what a good way of learning about death i hate to (laughs) we're on the nature show talking about death here we go
1: well it's Yeah i don't i i mean and again I, my kids one of my all-time all all favorite kids movies is the lion king i and and that's all about the circle of life and how how you how everything goes together and you have to you know um i and that was that literally i think is probably my favorite disney movie of all time is the lion king and that's it. what it's about i love the lion king i could i could sit and watch it for hours Hey, I lived in
0: Africa, man. That was my childhood. And and it's true. (laughs) You learned all that. You learned it out in the bush if you went out there. But there was a lot of people also in South Africa or Kenya that didn't go out in the bush, but sometimes the bush would come into your house. Yeah. You you
1: have no choice. You better know.
0: Hey, listen, in Mississippi and Louisiana and Florida, you all know that, right? Alabama too. And Georgia. Yeah, it's all coming in. Um, Mm -hmm. That's going to happen. But one thing I wanted to touch on is some of the experiences with birding you've talked about the Audubon center before. And I thought I wanted to touch on that. You talked about the turns. I think that's such a great thing. You know, the Everglades, that's kind of where we started our tour. I was at the Everglades. We saw, you know, alligators and everything, but Mm -hmm. they were also trying to teach boaters because literally people could get a boat there and just get in, get the keys and go, which is Mm not cool for wildlife right they don't understand mm. about manatees right. and sharks you know all these things in the water that you could hit and they were doing this huge initiative to teach boating and we went on a boat where we were taught how to pole and troll which of course Nancy and I thought was funny but um they were doing things where in this area you need to go down to like 10 miles an hour or totally don't come here because this mm-hmm. is nesting Birds at the time, I think it was a certain ibis or I think the storks, I, I, but it, there were nesting birds that needed to be able to nest. And um, they were really working on that. And it was also about the sawgrass that was in mm-hmm. the water, which is the life form for everything, manatees. Everybody's eating on that sawgrass. That's part of that wild landscape. So that was a really cool thing. And it was about birds. But going to your trash thing, we saw a kid dump a uh, can of soda at the Ahinga Trail in the Everglades, yes. and the parents did nothing. Yeah, that's... And, and, and I had, to, I had to literally, like, grab Nancy and walk her to the car. Uh-huh. She, she was going to go off, <laughs> you know, uh, rightly so.
1: I, what, I she, hear you.
0: She did make somebody pick up their trash in Sequoia National Park.
1: Good. Good it was her. a
0: kid did something, and she said, well, that's not in the Junior Ranger book, like... She did something and they turned around and cleaned up their trash. She's done that. <laughs> well, well, you know, there's so many there's so many ways, and it's very hard. You can't tell people how to teach their raise kids. Raise their kids right? and how to raise you can't, their kids. You can't You're do right. that. But you can do some like things. I don't know. We <laughs> just have to do something. We have to there's we have to be creative. Nancy was creative with the one in Sequoia Park. We were all they were doing road construction and we we're all like stuck there. So I was like, whatever you do understand we're living with it for the next hour like Mm -hmm. literally and so she was very good nancy did say she was very good i thought you know hello that was well done (laughs) she's like oh i'm reading the junior ranger book and in the junior ranger book she's reading it out loud out of the window (laughs) we do not litter as junior rangers and all of a sudden they went and picked up their trash and put it there you go so i thought that was pretty cool but there's people who clean up the you know the adopt a highway signs we all see mm-hmm. i have friends that do that that clean up the highways go out there on their own time as volunteers and clean up highways i think that's a huge thing that we can all yeah. do but anyway going back to the audubon thing i digress yeah. I got excited. <laughs> but the audubon thing because about the birds and understanding them talk a little bit about the audubon center because it seems like that area is a place where you can get out in nature but
1: also learn and have an interpretive experience it is it's it's basically it's on the it's still in Coast mississippi it's called the pascagoula river audubon center and the pascagoula river is actually kind of kind of cool in itself it's the longest free flowing river in the lower 48 um and that's just a little tidbit about the river but it basically has a very unique ecosystem. So the Audubon Center sets uh, sits, you know, right alongside the Pasco Google River, and it's a really, um, it's a really great day trip. I mean, um, you can go there. When I go there, we rent, we rent kayaks, and you can go out in the bayous and you'll you could you could see a gator. I mean, obviously they're not going to come right up. But you could see them in the in the the marshes. And the snowy egrets and ospreys and eagles and the cormorants and it's mm. just really it's really relaxing just to kayak through. And then they also have on the ground, so they have a little nature but you know, a little um I don't know what you um building and they do like different programs there for kids and for adults and they bring in different um at one point in time, one of the times I went, they had a art, like they had local artists from different schools and they had all dro- um their photos were all drawn by high school students and middle school, you know, Aww. I don't know if there was any elementary and they displayed them and it was all about some part of nature and, you know, they have indoor displays and they show the native, the native animals, like, you know, the turtles and the Fox and, and that type of thing. And um, it's just a really cool place. And it, you know, you could go, you can go through it in a few hours um, you pro, you know, if you go kayaking, you go kayaking for an hour and a half, two hours, and then you take a walk through the indoors and you see all the exhibits and, you know, it's a, it's a really nice, it's one of those things where you go like, Hey, what do you want to do today? Let's go over there. And you can always find something new. Like one time, one time you might see an alligator, one time you might not, you know, you might Ooh. see an eagle, one time you might see an osprey and we'll see, you know, some days it just, it just depends upon you know, and how many people are there. And then they have a really cool thing once a year in September called the hummingbird festival. So they get the hummingbirds when they migrate through the area and they actually tag them. And it's the coolest thing. Um, And they show you how they catch them and they, and they're so little tiny. I actually got to feel one of them's little heartbeat because they, I, I mean, I say tag, I'm not exactly how they do it, but basically they, they um, tag the banding, them so they can, yeah. yeah, the banding, that's it. And that way they can monitor if the same ones come back. I mean, you know, everybody says, if you feed them, like we have hummingbird feed. I have hummingbird feeders here at my house. I have, I want to say three of them. And in the spring and the fall, when they're migrating through and they're the coolest birds to watch. They, they're just, and they're the territorial as heck,
0: them. man. They, they sure believe. are.
1: And it's hysterical. I mean, I have videos on my phone where you'll get two or, and the male, you know, you'll get the two or three males, and they zip and they zoom, and it's, it's really fun to watch them. Um, and then the Hummingbird Festival at the Audubon Center, like I said, they do a whole festival around this, and they bring in different exhibits, like they bring in birds of prey. So, you know, there's local rescues and, and whatever, and they set up, and it's just a really fun little family-oriented day that you can go out and just, Just, you know, wander around. You can take little hikes. They have native plants. You can see. It's just, it's really a nice day on the festival day. And even just for a nice little day trip, you know, oh, you got a Saturday free. Hey, let's go to the Audubon Center and just, you know, go kayaking for a little bit and go in the bayous. And it's just, it's really, it's really a cool place. I want to go
0: kayaking badly. And (laughs) just also just, I think being on the beach, just hanging out on the beach is a way to connect you know
1: it's well it's great because you can you can just sit there and just watch you i mean sunrises and sunsets here in in coastal mississippi are you know beyond measure but even even if there's a storm like you can sit on the beach and it can be sunny and you look out over the water and you can see the storm coming. and depending Uh upon how uh, depending upon how brave you are you you know can stay right there until it, it you know it comes ashore but it, it is pretty cool to watch. Um, you know, to watch a storm coming in off the gulf right up into the sound. And then obviously, you know, but you can see it way far off. And, you know, depending on how fast it's moving. And like I said, how brave you are, if you want to hang out on the beach till it's right on top of you or not, but it, it the beach is a cool place to, to, you know, just, just be, yeah. just walk and just be. I love it. I love it. You've made me want
0: to come back to Mississippi. That's for <laughs> sure. So, you know, uh, everybody, I've got Lisa's a website linked up in the show notes and go check it out, writerlisa.com. Again, her book is 100 Things to Do in Coastal Mississippi Before You Dive. Die, not dive. <laughs> I want to go diving. We were talking about the ocean. I'm like, let's go. Um, you can get it on Amazon through really press and all of that. So go check it out. And especially if you live in coastal Mississippi or are thinking of going there, definitely get the book. So you have all these hidden treasures at your, uh, at your fingertips, right? Yes, uh, absolutely.
1: More, Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been a real Not pleasure a having problem. you back on the show. It's always fun to, to talk with you. Oh, we always have a great time and we get into some good, good conversations. No kidding we we did it today for sure. All right, well, thank you
0: so uh, everybody you know we 're doing our nature connection show talking about destinations where you can make that connection with nature and really experience the beauty that she has, whether it 's scenery or wildlife. And, um, last month we were talking with Kathleen Walls and Diane Dobry, both of them travel writers about the state of Florida. We were celebrating Florida day and that podcast is up there. You can just go to youtube.com at big blend radio, or just go to uh, NationalParkTraveling.com and you'll find it there. And, um, Somehow we got them both together again. They're like the Florida duo that come here on Big Blend Radio. Uh Dr. Diane Dobry, you can go to her website, discoverydays.com. That's D-A-Z-E, discoverydays.com, and it's also discoverydazed with a D on the end, on Facebook. And for Kathleen, she's an author as well as a travel writer. You can go to AmericanRoads.net uh, for her stories and then for her books. And she's written so many about Florida and the Wild Coast and nature. Uh, go to KatyWalls.com. That's K-A-T-Y. So welcome back, Diane. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. How are you doing, Katie? I'm doing well also. Hey, I think we're going to have to start a Florida show with the two of you. I don't know what's going on here, but um, it just happens this way, isn't it? (laughs) We're going to cover Florida together again, but this time we're going to be really focusing on a nature connection. And uh, Katie, you've been on our show before talking about um, different wildlife areas. And you know, Nancy, you and I have a thing about kayaking and being out in nature and Kayaking with alligators sounds like a fun thing for us, but um, today I know you're going to be talking about one of our most favorite places in Florida, which is Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge. And you've got a, everyone, the links I keep telling you about uh, are all linked in the show notes as always, Um, but you've also got a tour guide you wrote about it, and everyone, you can go to tours number4mobile.com and look for the Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge book that Katie is a co-author of and that is up in the show notes as well but this this is right outside Titusville right and connected to Cape Canaveral for people if they're going to that national seashore.
3: One of the amazing things about it is as you're riding into it from Titusville there's one road where you can look down. is just a dirt road, perfectly natural, and you can look down and see a launch pad on the Space Center. Oh, right, right joining the most technical place on Earth and the most wild place, and one of the most wild places in Florida. Wow,
0: wow, wow, wow. The other thing about that wildlife refuge, um, being so close to Cape Canaveral, if you want a true nature connection and Cape Canaveral National Seashore,
3: you can go topless if you want. Well. <laughs> you they can have go completely on and there, Cape Canaveral Beach. Yeah, there
0: there's nudie be- yeah, clothing op- optional. I was like the nudie beaches. I couldn't believe it. I was like, no way, you can lie naked <laughs> or naked if you're depending on where you're from. You can lie naked and, and watch space shuttles go off. <laughs> it's a whole different world out there. But what I find very fascinating and I think what makes Merritt Island such a and, and Cape Canaveral really together is that you've got the lagoon marsh wetlands area connected to the coast. So you have that in between zone where alligators love to hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, you got manatees depending on the year time of year and the bird life is insanely amazing. There's that, um, a driving tour people can do and there's the end of it is like this row of osprey. Um, I, I need to go back. I, you, Sorry, you're supposed to talk about this area, but you hit on one of my favorite <laughs> spots, Katie.
3: <laughs> it's a beautiful natural place. It's one of the most beautiful places I think in Florida, and certainly has some of the most nature. Mm. Every kind of very good time you sandhill cranes out there, whooping cranes, uh, egrets, um, and then other wildlife. There. Of course, like you said, alligators. At the alligator. so, time, I would say it once it was mating season, and the manatees were swimming around. And um, it's really hard. I got a few pictures of the manises, but they were a lot more interested in one another than the people. And um, there's bobcats. I've awesome. never never been lucky enough to see a bobcat, but I've seen bobcat tracks. The mm. rangers will tell you, that's a really nice ranger station. And they'll tell you that the best time to see the bobcats is early, early in the morning. Mm. And I'm a real early morning person, usually, so didn't see it. I've been there
0: really early in the morning and um the sun rises um no not a bobcat um but we saw tricolored herons and it and just oh, yeah. you know and I think what's great is a lot of national wildlife refuges have you know these um wildlife drives you can do so if you have someone who can't hike and you you know want to do that kind of drive you can but a lot of times you can park and and they'll take you to trailheads that you can do i mean They have those ponds. Is it
3: Black Point? Is it the Black Road for the wildlife drive? It's Black something. There's a a trail, a scrub jay trail, where you get out and you walk. But there's also the loop trail where you ride around and there's little pull-offs where if you see, usually you'll see a lot of birds. And you can pull off to the side of the road and stop and get out and take pictures and watch them for a while. Mm. The Scrub Jay Trail, you pull up there, and it, it's a hiking trail. But as you hike down it, the neatest thing about the time we did it, been to covers Island, but one time in particular, uh, Scrub Jays have a really kind of odd personality, family trait. The mom and pop of Scrub Jays will have a baby hatch, it hatches, but instead of going on its own way and doing its own thing right away, it hangs around. And then when mom and pop have another, set of babies hatching the juvenile scrub jay is still there sort of playing guard and the day we were in there we got some pictures the uh, juvenile was just flying all around and we got a really fantastic picture of the little baby and he's the tiniest little thing I mean not even a hand span and he's standing there with his wings spread out like he thinks he's an eagle or something and to attack you and the juvenile oh. and the mother, the mother bird were there so it was really one of the most fascinating experiences with birding
0: we have uh, right now where we are in Lubbock, Texas, we have blue jays hanging out, too. And boy, are they squawky. I love them, them and, and woodpeckers together in a forest. And I think that's, again, what makes Merritt Island so amazing is the biodiversity of the longleaf pine as well, right? right. So you have palm trees, the pine, you've got the coast. Oh. So it really is that diversity that brings in all this wildlife and herons and egrets. The tricolored herons, to me, I flipped out. And are beautiful.
3: Yeah. And don't you get bald eagles, too, out there? Yes, they have eagles. I have not seen one. I've seen ospreys. I had the Mm -hmm. neatest experience watching an osprey actually dive down, catch fish and come up carrying the fish in his mouth, going back to his nest.
0: Wow. Wow. It's amazing to see these experiences. And I think for kids, um, for them to I mean, because it's. You're not going to take that drive or go on a walk and not see anything. You're going to see something. You're
3: going to see something. And deer. And and there's probably bear in there, too. I've not seen any. Mm. We saw a manatee the last time we were there. But it wasn't the season. There were a lot of manatees. It was really hard to get a picture, though, because, as I said, it was mating season. And they were paying a lot more attention to one another than they were to coming up and breathing.
0: When is mating season for the manatee? Because isn't it November through February that they
3: gather? I want to say kind of mid-season, is you know early March now, but I'm not positive of that. I don't, okay. don't I've been there so many times, I don't really remember mm. which time that was. Well, I want to go to Diane
0: now because Diane is taking us to uh, some springs, Rainbow Springs, Homosassa Springs and uh also juniper springs so um that's one thing about florida especially you know going through the panhandle all the way kind of the northern and into central uh, florida these springs are like wakula springs is one of my favorites too um it's just these turquoise water clear and depending on the manatee season sometimes you can see them but it's again this biodiversity that happens and i think last time you were on the show diane you were talking about the luminescence um
2: Springs. I don't know if I'm even using the right word. Yeah, I think one- that was Indian. Indian something. I have a friend, a, a person I worked with, um, and she runs that kind of tour group. Um, I think it's Indian Springs. Um, yeah, I have it in front of me. But when yeah. I I lived in, in Citrus County for uh, in 2016 2017, and I worked as a, as a, a stringer for the local paper. So during the summer, when there's no education stories to write, they'd send me around like, oh, go to Juniper Springs, go to Rainbow Springs, go go here, go to Kanapaha, in Gainesville. So I wrote, I I didn't even realize, I wrote about 10 stories about the wildlife areas there. So, and That's the burping neat. and everything. And, and with the blue, with the blue, the scrub jays,
0: that's something you're saying that these springs also have them all around as well, right?
2: Yeah. And in fact, um, Homosassa um, wildlife state park has a, has a a walking trail. There's like birds, it's a birding trail. And there's a, apparently the great Florida birding and wildlife trail goes through Homosassa, Crystal river and um, Inverness, which are all in Citrus County. So if you're a birder, that's like one of the, best places and the scrub jays are you know apparently um they're endangered and they are only seen in florida they're only um i guess breeding in florida but yeah uh, juniper juniper springs and rainbow springs juniper springs is in the ocala state forest rainbow springs is in Donellan um which mm. is north of crystal river um crystal river is where this this Past um, when ma- the manatees were all coming into the coast to stay warm, Crystal River was on the Weather Channel and everything, and um, Three Sisters um, area was where the manatees gathered. But in the Homosassa Wildlife Refuge, they take care of animals that are injured, and mm. especially manatees that have been injured by propellers, because a lot of times... The boats are going in and out of the area where they come in from the Gulf. And they have this place where you can walk into um, like a little pavilion and then down and you can see the manatees um, swimming around through a glass. And they they feed them cabbage. They love their cabbage. So um, and I think there's a they they have a thing I, I believe that you can Feed them the cabbage, they'll give you cabbage to do that, and they have a lot of volunteers who know all about the animals and can tell you about them. There's also That's a interesting about the cabbage because it's kind of
0: like kelp and things like that those mm-hmm. those you know kind of coarse plants under water right. But I'm thinking that's going to create a lot of bubbles in the water. I'm just saying. Sorry, <laughs> I had to go there. I, <laughs> to. As as, I was just like, okay, there's a vanity. I see a bubbles over there.
2: <laughs> you know? Yeah, they, they uh-huh. had actually certain kind of plant. I can't remember what it was called, but they had to replant it because it was getting eaten um, a lot. Mm-hmm. But juniper, juniper and... Uh, what? us oh, sawgrass grass
3: i believe yes
2: oh. yes that's it that was it was becoming depleted and they were growing mm-hmm. that in certain areas in the water the sawgrass mm-hmm. but juniper springs and rainbow springs i i really liked because they have they they have pools that are like year round 72 to 74 degrees of the water temperature wow They're open 365 days a year, I think, except um, maybe Rainbow Springs is not on Christmas, but they have um, like Rainbow Springs. I really liked. Um, They also don't allow any kind of outside. um, They don't allow pets in there, um, except on the campground. They have to be leashed. They don't allow plastics. They don't allow um, even bicycles in I think it's Rainbow Springs because it does, it can, or is it Juniper? I think it's um Rainbow Springs. If In fact, if you bring your own kayak or canoe, you have to walk it from 18-foot walk from the parking area to the water because they don't allow any drop-offs in the area. They keep it really pristine. And they have a tubing thing that you can tube for like two and a half miles. And the water is clear
0: you know clears glass it's wow it's amazing isn't it when you, when you think about that being so pristine that crystal crystal clear i know you have crystal springs too right we can't not bring up crystal springs we have talk about it, but it being so clear it's like if it, you think it's almost like being at you know like fiji or somewhere you yeah know what i it, mean it's so clean oh man and so the manatees come out for that which is amazing we were in sylvan and pits or something sylvan springs once we just found it on the side of the road and it was mind-blowing to me you could get the springs part and then the river which was like almost like a black river and it was so dark so you had these just complete opposites of of waterways right next to each other then katie you've experienced that right you know it that that right. they... the
3: tannin makes the water black black uh near pensacola because that's other area uh the there's a lot of the black water rivers, uh, oh, Swanee River, and that's a tannin in it from the okay. pine trees. Yeah, I think you haven't even have like a black
0: water, black river, a mm, few black river black state park up there. Yeah, yeah, and then I'm so Diane, the did, did you see that too at these springs that you know, here's the crystal blue, you know, see through water. And then around the corner, it's like, how did it get to that?
2: <laughs> you know? did I didn't it... see it, but in Juniper Springs, they don't they don't take the trees. Like if the trees fall into the water, they leave it there. They Good. don't steer it out. And they, they do have like a seven, I think it's a seven mile um, wilderness area that there's a three to five hour long canoe and kayak run. run. And they say, if you're dating someone and you go on that run, you're going to know if you can live with them or not because it's so <laughs> challenging with all the trees and everything and getting stuck on things.
0: But you know, that's important though, because they're letting life keep it cycle. You right. know, it, it's the same thing as everyone taking their leaves and raking their leaves up and not letting, you know, as it's, it's part of why we are losing our fireflies is losing that habitat um, really? because we want everything so manicured and yeah. manicuring is not necessarily good for nature, which means, that's why you start having pesticides and stuff because you haven't let nature do its job. Mm. You know, if you let things be natural, yeah, you can have your little manicured areas, not saying that you can't, right? So people want to have a patch of lawn for kids to play on and things like that. But leave some spaces for if you share and coexist, you know, the birds will come and get the bugs. You know, we were yeah. laughing about possums earlier because we we love possums and they the possums eat the ticks you know, as we keep taking out these animals, then we end up, you know, Lyme's disease. We've done so many interviews. Uh, Doug Tallamy is a professor and he's written a book, The Best Hope for Nature, and he's done it for kids. And he's got a whole movement calling. It's about kids creating a national park in their backyard. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so that kids get to witness things like raccoons and the birds. And, you know, it's like, oh, we're letting nature do its thing. Fireflies is another thing is You know, you take all those leaves away. We don't have fireflies. And people are like, well, Mm -hmm. we used to have fireflies. I don't know why. Well, you're doing Roundup. You're doing, you know, you're not leaving water. You're taking the dead trees where bugs hide in. And then the birds get them, you know, so we're taking away that web of life. So it's, it's, it's so cool to see. But as, you know, we kill mountain lion and bobcat and all these, you know, these key species. Well, then the predators are gone from the deer. We have more deer. People get mad about deer in their gardens and deer, you know, and the ticks. That's what causes Lyme disease. So there's this whole cycle of what we have done or undone in nature. And so when you go to these areas, what you're talking about, Diane, makes me so incredibly happy that they let areas be what nature would do because, you know, those trees, we as human beings may go, you know, what a pain in the butt for boaters and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? That's how nature has it, and you and know something's living it. in there. Exactly,
3: exactly. The scrub jays. I mean, at one time in the 1800s, there were 50,000 of them. Now Audubon Society says there's only about 9,000 left. And the whole problem is, Carl Hiaasen, the Florida author, gets it down. The scrub jays can't vote, and the developers can, and mm-hmm. they both like the same habitat—that scrub habitat. Mm-hmm. So who's going to win?
2: yeah the money oh money
3: <laughs> oh uh-huh. diane you and i get 10 points yeah, that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, yeah but
0: then in something...
2: um in juniper springs they have um you can camp but there's bears and they say well we want people to learn to live with the bears so they have lockers for your food mm-hmm. so that you yeah. know you're not going to attract them to uh to your area but that that is done most in most Refuges,
0: national parks, state parks, um because yeah. if the bears come for food, and then then they become the human okay. nuisance, yeah. and they end up killing the bear, which is unfortunate. You and know,
3: that's their home. That's where they live. If they smell food, they think they can go get it. I mean, we're taking their land away from them, and then wanting to shoot them. And there's a law going through which is going to pass Florida Senate any day now, where people can shoot bears in their backyard if they come in their backyard or anything. You know, it's
0: oh that's sad that that's i know new jersey went through we did some shows on new jersey hunting of bears i mean they were getting short on bears and bears again is a is a prime species that is so important i mean they eat insects too people forget that they eat you know worms the grubs Um, in the fall i remember just being in sequoia national park with nancy and i hiking this beautiful meadow crescent meadow it's my favorite place talk about a nature connection spot and you go into the forest from there and we heard this you know really loud scratching and kaboom like big kabooms of trees well it was bear and her mama her mama bear and her cubs three cubs and you know we wanted to get photos but we we didn't because you know mama was on the run and you don't mess with that but what, what they were doing were the bears in the fall before they do their hibernation, which is not a full hibernation. They just want to be cozy over winter, you know, and rest a bit. They scratch out the grubs out of the dead trees. And the dead trees are crucial for wildlife, uh, for bugs, for insects, for birds, um, to feed off of bears, all of that, you know. Um, it's crucial. So as we take things away to be perfect, for our homeowners associations, we may want to think about what we're actually doing in, as a whole. But um, the bear thing, it's sad because we, we have encroached on their territory big time on bears. Asheville, North Carolina, people are coexisting with bears in their neighborhoods. Bears come in mm-hmm. their backyards. People learn how to do their trash properly. You can lock your trash so that bears can't get in. There are things you can do instead of kill them. Yeah. Really.
2: Sorry about Florida. That sucks. I Not did a story and uh, about the Citrus County Eagle Scouts, and one of the things you were talking about all the bugs, they they were building bat, um, like these. I don't even know what they call them. It's almost like a box. Bat the, box. Yeah, bat boxes. Uh-huh. And yeah. they, and they so they would eat the mosquitoes. The
3: Gainesville bats. has that and, and mm-hmm. they have the bat houses and every night the bats come swarming out and eat tons of mosquitoes Yeah, see that that's exactly it
0: you know bugs do it and bugs are eaten by other wildlife and if we kill them then mm-hmm. the bugs are here then we spray and then that also weakens our immune system as human beings and we get sick your mm-hmm. kids get sick your pets get sick so um, the nature connection that's the important thing I think is when you go out in wildlife to see the cycle of life occur, you know, when you think, when you see a heron hunt for a fish or a snake, mm-hmm. man, that always gets me is herons and snakes, how that happens, man. Herons are just don't mess with a heron and they will squawk at you. If you get in their hunting zone, my gosh, will they squawk and make a noise? But <laughs> when you see, and, and uh, like just that example and you think, oh, wow, I want that water to be clean so that the heron is eating a clean fish and that the fish had a clean life while it was there. That's the point of what we do with the nature connection show is, Hey, if we can keep those places pristine, we can enjoy them. And these, these critters can do what they do naturally in their cycle, not ours, you know, yeah,
2: keep it balanced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Cause we need them too. you know, we all need each other. So it's that coexistence part. Um, so Rainbow Springs, Homosassa Springs, Juniper Springs, are they all like close like so if someone went on a little road trip to Florida
2: um that Yeah, well, could... um Homosassa is south and then you go north to Rainbow Springs is Donellan, and then um a little bit northwest northeast of that is um Ocala and so it's I would say Ocala is not much more than a half an hour from uh, Crystal River or, uh, you know, Citrus County. Oh, so it's it's cool. a nice little day trip or weekend, you know, trip. There's a lot of hiking trails and kayaking trails in Citrus County.
3: Mm.
0: I, I can't leave this Florida conversation without giving St. Mark's National Wildlife Refuge a shout oh. out. It's one of my other favorites. Come on, Katie. I know you've been there, too. It's it's awesome, mm-hmm. isn't
3: it? Yes, yeah. it is. It's the cutest little alligator I've ever seen, just sitting there in the bank, just looking at me. They're cute, and you do talk to them. And, and have you heard the alligators when they all start talking and kind of like they kind of bark and giggle at the same time? <laughs> During mating season, they'll do that a lot. I was kayaking with a friend, Deb Thompson. We were doing an RV trip across Florida, and we were kayaking on uh, rain, uh, our Rainbow Springs um, Alexander Springs, right near Juniper Springs, and she's from uh, Wild West, and she's not used to alligators. And she kept hearing them barking. She kept asking, "Do you think they're gonna bother us?" Because we were in inflatable kayaks. I thought no, you're not there, they I'm worried, but you could definitely hear them, almost like like little dogs barking in the background. Speaking and of Alexander dogs- Springs, it's is like Juniper. It's perfectly clear. You can see down to the bottom. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's neat. So you see the alligators in the clear water? Do they
0: get it? Because you see, most of the pictures I see is... Oh, you can see them every now now and then.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Mostly, they they, we didn't see any. They would be closer to the bank. They get up on the uh, log. Yeah, they sun sun
2: themselves on on the bank.
3: uh, Oh, this was in Georgia, Stephen Foster Park, and one went right under my kayak. Luckily, he didn't come up and turn me over. (laughs) Yeah, that would
0: be a little messy. And yeah. I'm glad you're Alligator. here. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. Do you do you see you see them out in the modern Orlando area, Diane? The alligators. Alligators.
2: Well, I was house sitting. I told you I was just house sitting and cat sitting. It was south of Orlando in Poinciana near Kissimmee, And um my mm. friend uh she says she walks all around there and there's all kinds of boars and you know, all these big birds, uh, sand cranes, I guess they are. But I was Riding my bike, and I saw an alligator. Um, but it looked—it was small. It was like the size of a dog, um, a small dog. And I said, "Well, there's got to be a mama around, so I'm not going to stop to take a picture." So, but I. <laughs> and I, I used to live on a, a lake in um, in the Orlando area. My my apartment overlooked the lake, and you would see people running around with cameras, snapping pictures because there were about seven alligators in the lake that hung around this dock that where they would launch from. Oh, yeah. but the
0: alligators are cool, man. They really, I mean, I remember that's kind of how our tour started. Our love your park store was in Everglades national park and you could just walk right next to them. They're sunning. They don't care. But if you mess with oh, them, yeah. they're, they're going to care, you know, um,
3: but I think all the, the Everglades.
0: The, the Ever- I've, I, I think the Everglades is, one of the most crucial habitats we have in this country, and it's being, yeah, it's, it's going mm-hmm. through so much hell. Biscayne, uh, Big Cypress, like you're saying, uh, there's
3: oil drilling, and there's a lot of threat.
0: It's but um,
3: sugar farmers, too are dumping in there, and not worrying about how they're polluting it. Mm. And but it's a water source for a lot of Florida. Everett but that's Lake.
2: the thing is that I never could understand when I moved here that they have everything. You know, you go to these fast food places and they have all the styrofoam, styrofoam cups and styrofoam packaging, and I'm like, we're in Florida, the aquifer—you can't be polluting it—and and yet they don't recycle. They don't care.
3: Stuff. They just don't care. It's just to make the money quick as we can now. It's a and shame. That's all they're worried about. And it's not just in Florida, Louisiana. Look what they've done to that to their waterways with all the oil there, and that's what, what the hurricanes come in even more. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it, it, this is the
0: importance. If you go out and you really see how pristine when you find places that are truly protected, it, it's gorgeous. I mean, you, yeah. you feel healthy. There's nothing that will make you feel as healthy as you can possibly be than nature. nature. Because oh, that's our want- true state as a human being is to be mm-hmm. part of the natural ecosystem. And when we're outside in fresh air, I know you all have to have air conditioning in Florida, right, but when you're out in fresh air and you're part of it and your body starts to connect with it there it, it's um you're part of the place there's a say there's a term biophilia and I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly, but it is when you are part of the landscape you become one with it, and it's the most healthiest feeling ever that you could ever experience, and the more we do it, the healthier we are there's they're they're trying to document about how nature is medicine for human beings. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of pulled ourselves away from it. So the most important thing we can do is go for a picnic outdoors, if that's the easiest thing. Go for a walk outside. Go yeah. to a park. Um, if you do the drive around in the National Wildlife Refuge, try and get out where you can, even just to feel that wind, you know, on, on your face, feel it, you know, and
3: And there's a higher oxygen content when you get out there with all those trees, too. Mm -hmm. You breathe better. I get absolutely euphorically giddy and
0: weird. I I can't help it. To be in a place like Nancy and I do a lot as we travel the country, people look at us like, well, you could go to stay at this hotel, this resort. And we do a lot of that. We do. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of bed and breakfast, a lot of hotels, a lot of motels where I can just park our car and not have to unpack the whole thing. But we're always trying to get to especially wildlife refuges and national parks sunrise because then you have the dawn's course you see the sunrise you watch and hear if you you know get out of the car and listen you will hear everybody wake up and communicate and and the birds mm-hmm. will talk to each other you can hear the wildlife you can see the deer start to go out and get their first drink of the day you, you know it's It is something that um, it is, you really, I don't, you don't need coffee. I still need coffee, but you really don't, (laughs) you you really don't because there's such an energy from all these species. And we like to get there when it's still dark and that crossover happens because you can even hear the bug change over. It's very odd. And you do get bitten. So, yes, you can put things on that don't you don't get bitten as much. You can wear the right clothes. You can do things. But to witness this and be part of it makes you really realize that you are part of the universe. It is the biggest connection that we have. So um, when you were all talking the,
2: about the trees, I was remembering the movie Fungi or fun, with the, how the mushrooms connect to the trees and the ants. Fantastic were, um, fungus. Yeah. I love that documentary. That was very interesting and informative about nature and how it all works together.
0: It does. And we're part of it. And that's the the point of all of this. This is awesome. Ladies, thank you so much. And and for shining Mm -hmm. the good light and then also keeping us aware of some of the issues, because regardless of styrofoam, regardless of any of the things that are negative, we still have a voice and we still can choose where we put our dollars. We can vote. We can do things we can use our social media posts to do good we can use our voice use our wallets
3: so we can make a change oh yes i'm making a note of this on this bear law the ones who are voting to let people shoot bears i'm making a note of the people who are voting for it and against it and my vote's going to count on that one
0: see that's a good point about
3: yeah it's
0: where you Where you put your political vote is it vote for nature, which is ultimately voting for you.
3: Right. We're all Mm -hmm. part of nature. We just Mm -hmm. forget that sometime and go chasing that almighty dollar. Yeah. Well, I I think if
0: Florida can look at what Asheville, North Carolina is doing, they managed to the the bears are collared so that they know what bears doing what and where, but they're not being killed. Unless there's really a right. problem. Everyone's just kind of
3: coexisting. And it's like, cool, there's a bear. You know? So I, I love there's a bear. a bear. I've seen very few in the wild, But I do love when I see one.
0: They're awesome. We just saw one recently on our way into Tucson. Mm-hmm. We went to Chiricahua National Monument. And we were just leaving the park. And a bear just stumbled down a cliff and ran in front of the car. Ran in front of us, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it's a bear, and it's a little bear." <laughs> well, it they're it was big in Arizona terms, but little for you know other bears, but cute, you know, just and when you see those paw print, those pads, that's like, wow. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. Well, ladies, thank you so much, everyone. Again, I've got the show notes. Uh, you can look at the links there to connect with Katie and Diane. Again, it's discoverydays.com for Diane's blog, and she has all kinds of great travel destinations there. For Katie's books, go to katywalls.com. That's K-A-T-Y, com. And for her stories, go to americanroads.net. And of course, keep up with us at bigblendradio.com and our nature connection show that airs every fourth Friday. And uh, we will link to uh, articles and books and everything from the show notes. So check it out there. Thank you, ladies. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio's Nature Connection Show. Follow us at bigblendradio.com and keep up with Margo at margocarrera.etsy.com.